Welcome to the Success ID podcast, a podcast inviting leading thinkers, practitioners and contrarians to discuss ways to lead yourself and others successfully. I'm Dr. Glenn Wallace. On this week's show, my dear friend and co-presenter David Pilbim and I reflect on October's podcast episodes, exploring the ideas of compassion and internal leadership. If you enjoy the show, please make sure that you like it, write us a positive review and subscribe at iTunes, Spotify or Stitcher. So welcome to our October um, podcast mashup. Welcome, Glenn. Thank you very much, David. Are you well? Yeah, I'm really, really well and looking forward to hearing how your your month has gone. And, and uh, I noticed uh, this month that you've done an individual podcast. That is, you've podcast alone, I think, for mm. the first time. Second uh, time, actually. Second, second time. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and how did that go? Uh, it was a bit weird not having you on the other end of the line and sort of sort of seemingly just talking to myself. But, but I have to say that that is something I find myself doing fairly often. So that wasn't that wasn't the unusual bit. <laughs> it was, um, but a monologue was quite a different way of yeah. operating. Yeah. Um, but uh, an important topic, I think, compassion mm. and something that because it had come up so regularly across so many of the different podcast episodes of late, just felt like the right thing to try and pull some of that thinking together I think yeah, yeah no, absolutely no cer- certainly worked for me and 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 so we got to look at today we've got your session on compassion mm. and we've got Patrick Ballin's uh, session on internal leadership as success and then what I thought I might do Glenn was just invite you to talk a little bit more about some of the work that you're you're doing with Patrick about developing a kind of future teams model so if you're happy to, uh, mm. uh, we'll have a little look at that as well. Is that okay with you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So kind of dumping that on you today, but, but <laughs> hence checking no. in. Yeah. yeah, yeah, checking in live on the podcast <laughs> whilst we're, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. No, yeah, I'm very happy to try to do, um, to, to share some of that thinking as well. Yeah, great. Okay, well, well, let's dive into compassion then. So you said there, uh, it seems to be a subject that's been a, certainly a, a recent theme a common thread through some of the podcasts that have taken place so do you want to say a little bit more about that and yeah I, th- I think um you and I both picked up on various monthly pod sort of mashup podcasts I think that you know compassion seemed to be something that different people were talking about in different guises under the heading of their own topic areas that they were discussing and I, it was just it's such a um specific word if that makes sense that you know it's a specific term that uh, it sort of jumped out at me and then of course once you've noticed it once it's a bit like you know buying a new car and then you see that well, that car appearing on the road all the time and it's yeah. like oh you know um yeah. and i and and i think it perhaps i was then looking for it and somewhat attuned and sensitive to it but it, i i thought it was an interesting uh topic to explore there were a couple of things that I would just add into that, that, um, as you would well know, it formed an entire chapter in the book that we had published last mm. year called Leader ID. Mm. And we'd broken that down into uh, topic areas under that sort of broader theme, thematic heading. So it seemed appropriate to sort of share some of that insight for people that hadn't got a copy of the book to, just to see where our thinking was. And, yeah. and just try and pull some of that together and, and add some value on a very specific theme which is coming up regularly over the over the 
course of the podcast. I think the other thing is that, you know, I'm quite keen um, to vary the formats of the podcast. So it's not always guests or it's not always you and I. Mm. And there, there may be different formats that we could use and just see how that lands with the audience. So, again, any feedback that people have on it, really happy to, to uh, you know, to take that via a social media platforms or whatever just get in touch and let us know what you thought of it yeah absolutely that, that would be cool and, and i guess here what we don't want to do is just rerun the whole compassion podcast again sure so there's a couple of things that really stood out for me glenn in 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 that podcast and the content of the podcast i wonder if i could just ask you to sort of build out that thinking a little bit more if you would so the the first area is is suffering and I, I, I noticed you using the word quite a lot relative to compassion and leadership. And I've noticed the word appearing more and more on these podcasts that you've done with, with other guests that we've had. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, could you say a little bit more about suffering in the context of compassion and leadership? <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know that I had been as aware of using that word as, as you'd picked up. So that was, that's a great observation. I think one of the, it's, again, it is quite a specific term to use, which, you know, has a, is weighted with all sorts of emotion, um, potentially. Mm. I think um, compassion for me is, is an active process of helping alleviate suffering that, that somebody else is, is experiencing. And I think I made that distinction on the on the episode, which was, you know, empathy is that you try and put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Mm. Um, compassion seems a more active process and mm. is, is is trying to alleviate that suffering. Mm. I, I think when I've first thought about it, it feels that you know suffering has to be you know, somebody's in a dire position, you know, and needs some help. But actually, you could all sorts of little acts. And if you took suffering uh, to its ex- sort of an extreme, I guess, is, I don't know, let's say, I'm going to I'm gonna make a really, really rubbish example, but perhaps you can challenge me on whether it, this makes sense. Um, somebody's carrying three bags of shopping, you know, they've got two kids in tow, you happen to walk through a door, you know, if you can see their situation and hold a door open or offer to carry a bag, you know, on that level, you might be alleviating somebody's suffering in that moment. Now, mm. they might not think they're suffering, but they're struggling a bit. Mm. And, and perhaps a little gesture of you know, common human kindness might alleviate momentary suffering. Mm. You know, at the other end, you've got, and I'm, I'm sure you would observe this where, where you're living as well, but you know, certainly locally, we've got so many more people living on the street um you know homeless people who are actually sleeping in doorways you know where we are and you can walk along in the morning you know and i don't know whether those people are suffering or not but but from a human condition perspective you mm. know that's not the you know a great way to be living in the uk in you know uh in 2019 it's not my place to judge them but you know what are we all doing as a society to alleviate suffering at that kind of level so you've kind of got two extremes I guess you've got small individual examples of alleviating suffering two sort of systemic uh, versions of that 
I, I can help where I can on an individual basis. I'm not sure I'm in a position to alleviate suffering at a systemic basis. That feels like there are greater structures in place, probably not very efficient, but that are, are set to do that. Yeah, yeah. So there's something about, there's a strong connection here to just awareness, what you, just, just being aware, and you, to use your, you know, your door yeah. holding example, you know, holding yeah. the door open example. Yeah. Um, there are people who hold doors open for people and there are people who don't. Yes. And, and I'm not sure the pe- for the people who don't, whether it's a con- even a, a conscious choice or not to hold it open, but there's something about yeah. just being aware of other people around you. Um, I, I don't know, that jumps out. What, why do some people open a door and, for somebody mm-hmm. and some people don't? Um, I, I think you've nailed it. I think it's about awareness. Uh, and I, and again, that's not a judgment on other people. You know, there can be all sorts of reasons why some people are more aware than others. I think there are people who are genuinely are more aware. And David Mays did a lovely podcast on, as that we'd speak, spoken about before, on mindfulness. Mm. And I think that mindfulness thing helps you become more aware of yourself and other people. So that's a good thing in itself. Mm. Um, but, but, you know, there are again this is, i'm not being judgmental here there are people who are just distracted by other stuff i, mm, I yeah. will walk along the road you know answering texts on the phone um but i so i'm not as aware in that moment of things that are going on around me than i might and yeah. i think this is where awareness you're absolutely right that that's the key and also then there's a willingness to do something about it you know you can be aware and acknowledge something that's going on but not do anything about it and i also accept that we can't all do everything about everything that we notice right so there's, you've got to kind of cut your cloth i guess and and be realistic about what you can achieve yeah um so i think there's both an awareness piece and a and a willingness piece um uh, and then there's probably a capability piece which is am i capable of alleviating somebody's suffering yeah 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 and um, um, the translation then to to leadership. I mean, does this all start with? Does it all trace back to you know, as a leader, am I genuinely interested in my people? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Do do I see them as? Do I see them as just a resource to enable us to deliver the outcomes the business is looking for, or do I can I see beyond that and see and see the human being? Is there a mm. piece of it that's that or? Yeah, I think you're. I think that's absolutely right. I, I, I don't. You know, at its worst, and in your most cynical moments, it would be easy for somebody to look at compassion as it's all soft and fluffy. It's a nanny state. You know, people don't need hand holding to that. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about if there is a specific situation where you could improve somebody's life and alleviate the in inverted commas suffering that they're going through you know, momentary or, or on a grander scale, then, then you've got a decision to make as a human being, haven't you, about whether you step into that or not. And there'll be times when you could and don't, mm. uh, could and do, um, shouldn't and still, do, you know, whatever. And I think those are decisions for individual people to make. I just wonder if, um, uh, if we were all more aware and then followed that up with being more compassionate what impact that would have on the you know society yeah um yeah and and what's what's happening for me at the moment is is as we're talking about this is i have a a a client of mine in mind who uh is the leader of a 
a four-man uh, exec team. Right. Uh, so he, him being the fifth person in the exec team, sorry. Yeah. Um, and two of his colleagues on the exec team are, are to use that word again, suffering because of some personal circumstances right. uh, around them. Mm-hmm. And and the, the 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 CEO, you can see when I'm working with him that he's physically in pain himself, and he is right. suffering himself, not because of the drop off in performance of uh, of the exec team because of what's happening for these people outside work, mm. but because he so desperately wants to help. Nice. nice. And and he's carrying this weight around. He's carrying this weight around with him himself. And I know, it's almost like the opposite end of the pipe that you're describing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wonder, did you ever come across that? And 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 That's you know, can we go too far with this? Can we take on too much of people suffering ourselves? Yes, and and we all know people that get overly involved. I think in those kind of situations, and and this isn't a comment on on the example you've just given, by the way. But you know, we, we know people that you know want to to be saviors of other people. And I think that's not what we're talking about here either. No. You know, I, th- I think we're working from the base that, you know, you're okay, I'm okay, but you seem to be in a situation right now when I might be able to alleviate, you know, some suffering that you're going through, again, from small scale to large. Mm. And, and it's, it's up to me whether I choose to offer that to mm. you. It's definitely up to you whether you, are, whether you choose to accept it or not. Mm. I think that's another thing is people are not always in the right place to uh, to receive that kind of compassionate act. Some will see it as charity. I'm reading a lovely book at the moment, uh, quite an old fashioned book called um, A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, um, which is apparently quite a well known sort of classic. But and there's a family there who have absolutely nothing. But but I've been brought up not to accept charity. <laughs> um, yeah. Some you know one person's charity might be another person's compassion, right? So yeah. Yeah. it's uh, that, I think it is a difficult dynamic, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's why that's 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 probably why it's not as it's not a black and white thing. But then pretty much nothing that we've talked about, uh, whether it's written in the leader ID book or that have been episodes in this podcast. Um, you know, they're rarely black and white. They're often mm. contextual. They're often um, relational, i.e. that somebody else on the other end has got to respond in a certain way for it to work. I th- it, it, they're much more complex areas than do this, it'll all be fine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my mind's flashback now to an earlier podcast around uh, uh, around mental health. Um, yes. Yeah, no, McDermott. You know, there's strong relationship here to to that area, isn't there? Just as a leader, noticing, yeah, being aware of the mental health of um, members of your team. Yes, yes, and and Richmond Stace also talked to me beautifully about you know managing pain, um, both of yourself and how you might help others if you're aware that they're in that kind of place. You know, it is a as, as I say, it is one of those areas that seems to. And I'm I'm really delighted you picked out the word suffering because I hadn't picked it out in the same way that you've noticed it, but I, but I do think it is there for all of us to consider, which is, you know, and which is how do we alleviate that in others? By the way, and this is probably a completely different podcast episode mm-hmm. in itself. You know, what about alleviating the suffering that we put ourselves through? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that was a strong. How good are we? That was a strong thing. Yeah, podcast was. You know, it? that kind mm-hmm. of self-compassion piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how well directed 
is it and and might we argue as i think i did on the podcast that you can't show compassion outwardly very effectively un, unless you're willing to show it inwardly now that really you know even i even i i struggle with that as an idea because it, that sounds really a bit um self-indulgent mm. and a little bit weak mm. and i use that word advisedly but actually probably if you was if you had Noel mcdermott on here he would say you know that's exactly what you should be doing with yourself first i don't want to put words into his mouth but I, and i think I, I remember something he said that sort of echoed that thought which is quite difficult to externalize some of this stuff if you if you're not being kinder to yourself first yeah and I, I remember that too and it resonated very strongly with me and and there's like a that it does you know there is it's tempting isn't it to, to to see this as soft you know really soft and fluffy stuff mm. the, the, the high performance perspective on that um is that you're quite frankly you're no use to anybody <laughs> if, yeah. if if you're showing up in a way that suggests you know you're suffering greatly yeah um Oh, in, in whatever way and it's going to affect how you perform as a leader and mm. the attention that you know the, the level of attention you can give everybody else around you yes so if it's helpful to look at it in that harder edgy way then then let's look at it that way yeah <laughs> well, and whatever it takes frankly because yeah, I, I yeah. think to your point the outcome will be better for everybody uh, for you and for those around you so whether you have to start with yourself or you start with other people and then work backwards, you know, whatever. But uh, I, I think um, there's an interrelationship between those two things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, Glenn, about the connection here of this too. And it feels like it's a strong connection into what Patrick talked about and internal leadership specifically in a team. Mm. This, this, this compassion showing up in teamwork. And yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I wonder if there's a if there's a thread there. I, there. There probably is, and I'm sure we'll explore it. I, I think it was um, a fun podcast to do. We were we just finished three days of work uh, in Spain with um, seven teams um, who had been set up to form very quickly. Had a very clear and very large brief that they had to deliver in a pretty short period of time. So we were working with them in terms of how they get up to speed. Um, formulate a way of working together and then kind of crack on to produce a really good result so we were genuinely sitting inside um, uh, Barcelona airport recording that so, mm. and and with a lot of fresh data yeah. about how teams can do that and I think there is the one thing I would say is that compassion yes is not doesn't need to be mutually exclusive to high performance. In fact, they're complementary to each other, not, not mutually exclusive. So to your point, is there a theme? I think there is because what is a team if it's not made up of, if it's not a concept made up ultimately of human beings and those mm. human beings need to interact well with each other. They don't mm. all need to be soft and fluffy and arm around each other and it's all just great. Mm. Um, actually, sometimes the most compassionate thing you can do for somebody is let them go from a team setting mm. because they're a square peg in a round hole mm. um, and so therefore actually the most compassionate you can be is to say not your fault but it's just not working mm. um, you've got great skills um, but this team is not the right place for you to be as a leader I'm really happy to try and help you find 
and support you finding an alternative. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so I don't think those things are mutually exclusive, even though it seems like they they might be <laughs> to start with. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and uh, I, I'm just thinking of numerous examples from um, from sport um, mm. anecdotes that I've heard and teams that sports teams that I've been involved with myself where you create an environment in a team in which it's okay to say up front um i'm not feeling at my best today mm. Mm. Uh, I, I i can't find my a mm. game and, and to say that in front of your teammates uh, high level sports team um to, to, to feel as though you could say that and have people respond positively rather than taking the mickey yeah. Um, yeah, is 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 a good example of a high functioning team, isn't it? People going, okay, right. What are we going to do about this? Mm. Um, as opposed to you, you know, you're having a laugh. Pull yourself together. Yeah, yeah, and that that is, I think, a lovely example of, you know, how sophisticated teams and and by dint of them being sophisticated teams, they've got sophisticated people inside them, mm. you know, but also with very uh, dis very uh, clear and discreet ways of working and then holding people to those ways of working and and if the best I can give you today is a seven out of ten and there's reasons why that is then that's cool let's work with that mm. uh, again I'm, I'm reminded of a couple of people who said on these podcasts you know um, actually it's not about being your best self today it's being the best version of yourself that you can bring today today yeah. <laughs> and, and those are quite different things yeah. you know am i bringing my best self today i'm likely to fail most days i would think yeah. am i bringing the best version of myself that i can muster today today is is gives you lots of permission to 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 not be at your very very best every day if that makes sense yeah yeah but there is something here to, to there's something here about about showing up as a as a player in a team, whether a business or sport or theater, and having an awareness of the other people around you and yeah. how they're showing up. Yeah. And you just being aware of that, noticing that, and uh, if you like noticing suffering and, and being prepared as a teammate to to offer support. Um, yeah. I think it was um, some of the work that um, Daniel Goldman and others did on the earlier work on emotional intelligence, where they, were, they posited the idea that you couldn't be other people aware unless you had high levels of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And that, I can think of only one person I've ever coached in the nearly 20 years that I've been coaching leaders, mm-hmm. where there was somebody who was very clearly higher on her other people awareness than she was of her own mm. but i would suggest that almost everybody else where where it was clear that there was this was something you could you could observe everybody else you know it's the more self-aware you are mm. the more likely you are to be other people aware yeah. Yeah. um yeah. effectively uh, they're not a direct it's not a direct it's not always a given i think Mm. But uh, but uh, the flip side is pretty. I'm pretty sure is that, you know the, your own lack of self awareness often translates into a lack of other people awareness. Yeah, yeah, and that's a pretty good articulation of you know the premise of the leader ID book and the leader ID model, isn't it? Um, yeah, about that starting place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The um, um, so 
the central piece of Pat, what Patrick was talking about is this idea of, I can't think of another way to describe it, but the rotating leadership within a team or the informal leadership within a team yeah is that is that yeah is that the essence of it i think it's certainly a large part of it i mean there was there's quite a lot to the team coaching models uh, and the work that we're doing um but central to that is the role of leadership within the team and, and i'll give you an example which is a, a true example i'm not going to name the organization but a very senior team led by very experienced leaders um, a very experienced leader and what we what we saw very clearly and this is not unusual is that the members of that very senior team had their own functions and their own teams that they were leaders of right so mm -hmm. they all led different parts of the business mm -hmm. and then they came together as a senior leadership team mm -hmm. um, almost universally those seven people were very very effective leaders of their own areas of the business yeah um, and and hard objective measures would suggest that they were very effective and we'd also seen some sort of 360 and team profile kind of results about from their teams about how effective they were deemed to be what we observed was when they then came to the senior leadership team meeting they kind of uh threw up their hands and stopped demonstrating pretty much any form of leadership at all mm. internally mm. So it was kind of like, well, now that we've got somebody that's more senior than us, mm. um, who is the nominal, as Patrick was calling them, the nominal leader of this team, mm. oh, that's okay, because we don't need to lead anymore. That, that's, that's their job. Mm. And it was really, it was really stark and, and very marked that these highly effective leaders, when they were leading outside of the team, kind of, kind of just gave up on leadership once they were, once where they were with peers. Um, and so what we wanted to try and encourage them to understand was, you know, your team to be as effective as it can be, will need different people to lead, you know, at different points when either it, the team isn't going where it needs to be, nobody else is speaking up, so somebody needs to, and that might be you at this point, you know, or there's a, perhaps a certain skill set that's required that you own more fully than anybody else in the team, and therefore, it's your chance to step up and flex uh, mm. and 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 make progress using your skill set mm. um and and yeah over a period of time using a kind of team coaching approach we did manage to to facilitate some change in that space but it was harder than perhaps it might have been not, not for that particular team i just think it's and, I, and i've seen it now a number of times since which is and you must have seen it too but mm. there's a Unless it's a very overt thing where, you know, you are expected to lead. I, I do wonder whether strong leaders outside of a team can come to a senior leadership kind of environment and kind of give up or, or not think they're expected to lead. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think you were in the podcast. I think you were getting to this thought, which is so what's required of the let's call it the official leader yeah. of the team in order to encourage that culture if you like with, with within the team then so we've got that we've got we've got the official leader he's sitting there he notices that nobody in the team is is picking stuff up there, there there's no real leadership in the team taking place apart from from where he's sitting mm. um what, what 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 does he or she need to change in order to encourage that shift in mindset 
I, I think you've hinted at it in part, which is, you know, you need to lay out some expectations about that is how we are going to operate as a team. Mm. And so, um, you know, you're being paid good money, not just to lead when you're with your team, but you're actually expected to lead this team. I think that's, that's part of it. Um, I think the other part uh, is there's something around your own ego as the, the nominal um, or official leader of the team, which is I don't need to be in charge in inverted commas, um, you know, and we're almost kind of peers really here. And, and I, I will be happy to take a back seat at certain points. If I've got a view and, and I don't agree with the view, then ultimately the buck stops with me. So it's ultimately that I'm accountable, but you know, it would, I think it's exhausting, by the way, for leaders who think they need to be, you know, the most capable or the brightest person in the room. That, that, and that's a trait that really annoys me. <laughs> I know it shouldn't, but it really annoys me when I see it, you know, which is leaders who shut everybody else down because they think they need to be the brightest person in the room. Mm. And you go, well, actually, if you took a slightly different kind of mindset and approach to it and instead of trying to be the brightest what about the person that's going to learn the most for example yeah. mm. you know what how might you operate differently in that in that way yeah yeah but i think there's something about being very very open and uh deliberate about it and also not needing to be seen to be hold all the power yeah 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 and I, I love this thought, and I hadn't thought about it in these terms until Patrick said it, but, but I, I just love this thought that, you know, if, if all the leadership's contained with the, you know, what he called the nominal leadership leader, mm. the, the, mm. the, the, contained in that space, in that person, it's not sufficient for great team performance. Mm. And, uh, you know, until you break out of that uh, way of being, you're, you're way, way, always going to be way, way short of optimal performance in the team. I think that's a, you're a kind of hard-edged, really useful for me anyway, way of looking at it. Yeah. Yes, and, and uh, you know, a couple of things I would say. One is that the, um, you know, we, we're just watching those of us who are interested in rugby, you know, mm. this wonderful World Cup um, unfold. And we're seeing, you know, the very best teams, you know, have not just a number of leaders, you know, the leader of the pack, the leader of the line out, the leader of the defense, you know, but actually, so they have those kind of nominal leaders, but they all, everybody's expected to lead at the right time. You know, you're expected to see a situation and step in rather than wait for the nominal leader to say, oh, there's a ruck formed there, or there's a tackle that needs to be made. You need to go and do that. No, 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 no. I see what's going on. And for the good of the team, I will step in Mm -hmm. you know and make my leadership contribution um i th so i think we're seeing some really lovely examples of that the, the the thing i would then say linked to that point is things are sometimes easy for leaders to assume that chaos ensues you know and it's and somewhat an anarchic um team to be in i i think that misses the point entirely uh, for me which is this isn't about everybody leading all the time. It's to your point, it's we have moments where we recognize we have got something to contribute or we are best placed to lead at this particular point. I'll do that and then I'll step back again and allow somebody else to step into that space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess it's even if that leadership looks like um, offering a perspective on something. Yeah. 
Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm formally going to take that piece of the project to go away and lead on that. It might be, by the way. But, but it could be just in the moment of being prepared to offer a perspective. And, and I think the people that you're talking about, it's almost like um, it's your job. <laughs> it's yeah. your job. If, if you're going to sit at that leadership table, um, sit at that top table, it's your job to offer your opinion, to offer mm. your perspective. Um, well, I don't know about you, David, but, but I can tell you that uh, a high percentage of people that I work with as, as very senior leaders, very often that's exactly the point that they know they're not contributing sufficiently at. So, so you know, they'll say, well, I, you know, I think I recognise that I could probably say more at these meetings, but I don't want to be, you know, the person that uses up all the oxygen and all the airtime in the room. But I recognise I'm probably using that as an excuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go, yeah. yeah, but that's the leadership piece, right? Is to yeah. your point, it's that that's what that's the reason that you probably feel uncomfortable is that you know that that's really a version of leading that you you need to be doing for the good of the team. Absolutely, and 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 actually, so what is good formal or nominal leadership of a team where you want to encourage that look like? Mm. It starts to look like you know encouraging everybody to share perspective, but actually the magic of high performance in a team is is going beyond that, so that out of everybody sharing their perspective develops new perspective mm. and fresh thinking, and that's where the magic of team at its best exists, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that synthesis where you've got sort of one plus one equaling three because it was a you know it was of an angle that a single nominal leader you know can't be expected that she knows everything i I think that's uh that's both the fault of the leader if they think they do and also the fault of the followers who are also leaders (laughs) um Mm. to expect that they should Uh, and that's where you need to have a conversation pretty early on which is i i can't know everything and i shouldn't know everything you should know a, a lot more about your area and should have your own views. Um, and let's couple those because if we bring it all together, to your point, we can synthesize things that are much more valuable and useful to us all than relying on a sort of single track way of doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's strong connections here to from what Patrick and yourself were talking about and some of the work that in an earlier podcast, Sue Fontanaz, uh, mm. was talking about in team working as success and and you you uh, from what i understand glenn you and patrick are sort of developing some uh, some new models around in particular team coaching on, on on some of this thinking i wonder if you could say a little bit more about that yeah and I, it's um still early days but i but i think with the you know we both um, as do you, I know, you know, we both coach individuals and then entire teams of leaders um, to help them get to high performance. And the area that Patrick and I are particularly interested in, this is where our work is focused at the moment, is on helping teams that have to get up to speed very quickly for a particular reason, do that in a way that ensures uh, sort of sustainable high performance. So if you imagine a team that uh, is the result of two teams merging, for example, or uh, a new leader or, a, or an inc- significant shift in uh, the number of or the makeup of a team uh, in the sense that you've got new members coming on board or 
a team that's been set up very specifically for a particular project. All of those environments require teams to get up to speed very quickly. Mm. Um, but that's only really the start of the process, you know, which is we're getting up to speed. Okay, great. How do you then sustain an ever improving kind of high performance? So it's really looking at what the fundamentals are to that um, and trying to generate a model that we can then help guide teams through that process, help them focus where they need to focus. They won't need to focus on everything because some teams are, almost all teams have got some bits they're doing very well and other bits they're not doing quite so well. And so we'll kind of assess where they are and then using a model as a framework and point of reference, they can then develop those skills themselves. But it does require, to your point, internal leadership that says, you know, this model that we're using as our framework, you know, actually, ultimately, leadership might suggest it's not right for us. That's cool, because you've shown ultimate leadership about your understanding of your team. But it might be, as an example, you know, we're not all very clear on this area of the model. Um, let's take some time to get really clear on this. I'll give you an example. Um, I know you play golf brilliantly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know you play golf. No, no, I'm um, not going to respond to that. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're standing on the, on the tee uh, you know, of, of a hole that's 350 yards away, um, if the club face hits the ball square, then all things being equal, the ball should travel in a straight line, right? And, mm. and so, you know, if you follow the line, it'll, it'll be online by the time it lands. Um, if the club face is off by half a degree at the point of contact, by the time it's travelled 200 yards, you know, it's miles away from yeah. its intended target. Mm. And it doesn't take many lots of half a degree out <laughs> for what feels like, yeah, we're all, we're all aligned on this, actually to have five or six members of a team be miles apart, actually. In reality mm. and so our job is I think to help make sure that that club face is hitting that ball metaphorically you know square on for everybody mm. so that we're all genuinely sort of following the same path and we'll, we'll more than likely not you know reach the same destination at the same point yeah 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 and, 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 and yeah and so it's about setting up for success yeah I mean I, I, th I think quite often as team coaches we can be brought in to support when thing when a team has existed for a while and things are starting to go wrong. Yeah, um, for yeah, that, and that's reason. not unusual, is it? That that, no. that sort of scenario is not that unusual, and it's a very important point of time to have you know a, a good team coach sometimes come in and help because the team's not being able to do it itself. Mm. That's not where we're you know focusing our work. Our work is very much on teams that need to iterate uh, and form um, quickly for, for all yeah. sorts of organisational reasons. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. I want to look forward to hearing some more, some more about how that works going in future podcasts. That's brilliant, Glenn. Yeah, um, and I think we're going to, for, you know, for those people that are based in the, in the UK and, and uh, um, indeed uh, globally, because we can do some of this by webinar as well, in season four of the Success ID live events, um, team coaching uh, will be one of the topics for uh, one of the seasons um, early in the new year. So there'll be uh, webinars and live events um, based on that very topic in the new year. So again, we can may well be that we'll, we'll ask Patrick to come along and uh, and 
speak about that model at, at one of those events. So again, if people are interested in it, please keep your eyes and ears open for uh, future events that we're doing. And if you're based in and you can get to London fairly easy, it'd be lovely to see you in person. Uh, if that's not very practical, then there are certainly alternate months where we're having webinars and uh, it'd be great to have you online uh, and experiencing some of the work that's going on there too. Great, great stuff. So what, what, are you, what are you working on personally at the moment then, Glenn? What's, what's, uh, where are you getting your learning? Uh, well, I, I um, <laughs> there seems to be learning every day at the minute. It, I seem to have restarted. I, I, in funny, funny enough, I have, and I know it's a phrase that you've used a lot, and, and I do use it with other people, but I do credit you for it, which is that you can, set, you can press reset at any point, right? And mm. that's something you taught me. Um, a, a long time ago now and I hadn't heard it in quite that way but actually I've pressed reset um, on my coaching yeah. uh, and I've decided to kind of approach it with what the, uh, the Japanese called a, a kind of novice's mindset which is although I've been coaching for nearly 20 years mm. it's begun to feel a little bit that I'm not as aware as I might be and there are probably some traps and ways of doing my coaching which I think need a refresh yeah and so I am um, in the process of restarting that and it's been lovely it's been it's been great to revisit stuff it's been a bit shocking to go oh dear I've been re I have actually been doing that <laughs> That's, you know I don't mean anything's terrible but uh, you know as a as somebody that wants to uh, sort of strive to be as expert as I can be in that coaching space I'm yeah. recognizing some of my own practice and thinking, yeah, that's a, that's a trap I've fallen into and I, and I can make changes again, but I'm, I'm trying to look at it with a 20 year old novice's head on, if that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What's, what's, well, what's up for you? Actually, it's a similar theme. It's a similar theme. I mean, I, I've also been coaching for a long time and, and I've got very, very lazy in, in, in how I describe to people uh, what I do. Right, and so I've, I've, with some encouragement from your good self, I've, I've um, asked um, about twenty-five people that I've worked with over the last few years uh, for some feedback to, to, in order to help me put some shape on how I talk about what I do, and right. uh, okay. I've had some massively uh, humbling, positive feedback where I can really build that story out from. Mm -hmm. uh, but equally, I've had a couple of people give me some short, sharp, uh, feed, you know, what you'd regard as perhaps uh, more negative, constructive okay. right. feedback as well, um, which I've, I've needed to take on board. Mm. Um, and that's really helped. I, it, it, actually, in equal measure, you know, they're helping me to yes. yeah. accurately describe where I can really add value and where I can't. Uh, mm. and, and that's that's a process that I've really enjoyed putting myself through. Um, uh, the fruits of which are are going to appear shortly. So more on that in a future. Well, part. I think that might be another pod, that might be a podcast in itself. I'm thinking going right now. But it, but it's interesting, is it? You know, because there are so many people that we that we meet, you know, that are willing to do this kind of you know deep deep work on yourself and your and your craft and your expertise. You know, and to your point from earlier on, lots who just go through life completely unaware or unwilling to you know to engage. And I think there's one of the things that I think has resonated for me of late is this idea of mastery. And I've, I've said it before, it is not a term that I am entirely convinced by because of its kind of gender, it's a gendered term to some extent. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, 
I love the idea of going deep, being quite demanding of yourself, you know, and but also committing to something over the long term. You don't become a master. And I'm not buying into the 10,000 hours idea. I just think, say you studied something deeply, consistently over your lifetime. How awesome would you be at the end of your life? In, in that and that's I don't think that needs to be boring I think when Rosh and Rhoda was on here talking about his own niche what we recognized was that the deeper you go into something often the broader you end up going because you know you understand just what's at play you know if you think about going into being a medical doctor as he was you know the deeper he went into it the further you realize there are just so many specialisms that you could end up going into it kind of opens up I think rather than closes you down mm. it's really interesting yeah yeah and that's 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 really what this is all about the work we're doing here isn't it is 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 encouraging people to think about their own development yeah first and yeah. then how you think about uh, how you can develop others and, yeah. and it's those two things isn't it and uh yeah that, that, that's what it's all about for me indeed yeah. indeed yeah. Yeah. yeah very good well we'll catch up on the on the next one then and we'll see how you're going off, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Great so stuff. Actual growing has taken place. <laughs> Indeed. Brilliant. Take take care out there, Glenn. Look forward to speaking to you next month. You too. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks for joining us on this week's Success ID podcast. To subscribe to the show, please visit our website at www.glennpwallace.com where you'll find the relevant links to Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please leave us that positive review. It's really important for helping support the show. Follow us on social media. And most importantly of all, perhaps, take the advice from this episode so that you can lead yourself and others even more successfully. We look forward to welcoming you to the next episode soon.